Good morning, everyone. Um, Belgium in the 13th century by St. Juliana, a nun. And the details of the solemnity was given to her in a vision by the Lord, asking, he asked that this solemnity of his body and blood be celebrated. And today's celebration then is an expression of our faith and our belief in the real presence of Christ in the Blessed Sacrament, in the Eucharist. And uh, my friends, um, our catechism tells us that the Eucharist is the very source and summit of the Christian life. And uh, the Second Vatican Council in Lumen Gentium uh, says the Eucharist is the heart and summit of the church's life. And um, to be clear, I'm going to read it directly. The, the Eucharist is Christ's body, blood, soul, and divinity under the appearance of the consecrated bread and wine, not a symbol or a sign, but truly Christ. It is made present during Mass. The Eucharist is a true sacrifice that makes present the one sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. I'm quoting from the Catechism. The effects of the Eucharist increases our union with Christ. It separates us from sin and helps us to avoid mortal sin. It takes away venial sins. It unites us, so important, it unites us to Christ and his church. It helps us to grow in charity. And most importantly, it is done in love. That we may have eternal life. My friends, it has been my experience that the Catholic understanding of the Eucharist is one of the most attractive aspects of our tradition and faith to many folks who seek to come into union with the Catholic Church, coming from another Christian denomination or tradition. In my experience in parish ministry, which I will celebrate 13 years tomorrow as priest, half of which was, is being celebrated here this morning, I'm like, I've been here seven of my 13 years with the people of God of Gig Harbor. And, but it has been my experience in parish ministry trying to live one's life without being able to receive the Eucharist is the catalyst for many Catholics to go and remedy the impediments that stand in the way of them receiving worthily and in a state of grace. Marriages that are not valid in our church and other things, they want to remedy this. And my friends, it has been so in this time of the pandemic that a number of our members uh, with tears in their eyes and their hearts filled with joy returned to receiving the Eucharist after being quarantined for weeks and months and a year. And this was such a moving thing for me, such a validation about the conviction and the belief of the Eucharist because how one believes, one acts. One's convictions dictates how they speak and what they will do, what they believe, how they will live. And it told me, these, the parishioners that were coming back with tears in their eyes receiving the Eucharist, that they will not compromise when it comes to the Eucharist. They will not give up. 
They will not surrender the truth of the Eucharist, nor will they deny it. My little priest heart was filled with joy. My friends, when it comes to our church's teaching regarding the restriction of the Eucharist to Christians of other denominations, it is not just posturing of our leaders, of our bishops, regarding canon law. It's much more than that. It is not a judgment on the holiness of their heart. It is not that. Rather, regarding our Eucharist, it is a signal and validation of the unity that Christ intended it to be. And it is symbolized in the Eucharist. And when we talk about it this way, it is our mutual desire to understand and to celebrate the unity that Christ had intended for it. In our first reading, we hear about God's people on Mount Sinai. And they said, we will heed the Lord. We will do as he asks. We, they were in union. Moses, the people, to God. God to the people, a covenant. And at the Last Supper, the recounting, Jesus is in the upper room with just everyone? No. He was there with his apostles. They were in union with Christ. They were unified. Except for you-know-who, Judas. He left. So my friends, one must be in communion. One must be in union with the church. Not all Christian denominations are in union with each other. So for those who are not in union, who do not hold and believe what we teach about the Eucharist, it is an act of charity that they not receive it. Are you sure, Father? Yes. Go and read 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven and see what happens. That's Paul speaking about the Eucharist. But my friends, also, of at least equal pastoral concern for our bishops today should be the fact that many Catholics do not understand the church's teaching on the Eucharist. I am not a bishop, but if I were, this would become of paramount concern for me. Eve is how we live and how we act, so it is a paramount concern. Too many Catholics of late understand the Eucharist more or less as many non-Catholic Christians do. Neither group has much understanding that the Eucharist as our expression of that sacred action whereby Jesus established the new covenant with his Paschal mystery. You heard it in the gospel. I'm establishing a new covenant in my blood. And neither group has much understanding of the Eucharist as the reenactment of the Last Supper and how that comes to be. My friends, I cannot in a homily address all the things, so I had to at least choose one. So I've chosen to speak about the aspect of the real presence of the Lord in the Eucharist. Many folks understand real presence as no more than receiving Jesus in a special way. Identifying the Eucharistic presence of Jesus as his presence in a special way 
is hardly the advance of all the truths of it. The truth is that in the Eucharistic presence, Jesus is substantially present. Body, blood, soul, and divinity is contained within the consecrated bread and wine. And my friends, of course, our church's teaching that Christ is present in his church in different ways is not to diminish that by stating what we do about the Eucharist. Because, in fact, our Lord is really present and is indwelling within you, the baptized. Did you ever notice when I incense the altar and the tabernacle and the cross, and then I turn and face you and incense you? Are you not getting it? We incense that which is sacred and blessed, and then I turn and I face you and incense you. He is present where two or three Christians gather in his name regardless of the denomination. He is present in the proclamation of his word in sacred scriptures. He is really present in the action of each of the church's sacraments. His real presence in the Eucharist is to be understood, wrote many of our saints and many popes, as whole and entire by the power of the Holy Spirit, in fulfillment of his promise, I will be with you always. Such a presence of Christ in the Eucharist is not adequately expressed by the phrase real presence, even as I use it. <laughs> and far less by statements such as symbolic presence and hidden presence and a special way to receive him. Our Catechism and the Council of Trent in its own description, which I can do no better, says of Christ's presence in the Eucharist, Christ himself is present, living and glorious in a true and real and substantial matter. His body and his blood, his soul and his divinity. I suppose what the Council and the Catechism is trying to put across to us, whereas all presences of Christ are real, Absolutely nothing of the fullness of Christ is absent from his Eucharistic presence. We encounter the Lord in the Eucharist with a fullness of presence that is utterly unique and that lacks nothing on his part of reality, of intensity, of love. The only encounter, the only encounter with our Lord that will be greater then the Eucharistic encounter will be when you and I meet him in heaven in all his glory and he fulfills his promise when he says, I will share that with you, my faithful ones. That is the only way we will encounter him greater than what we do now on the earth in the Eucharist. But for now, on this pilgrim journey and condition, the Eucharist is, rather simply put, our summit, and our source. My friends, when Jesus of Nazareth walked the earth, there was so much divisiveness. People couldn't wrap their head. How can God be a man? That just makes no sense. It caused a fight with the Pharisees and the scribes and the people. How could this be? How can God, why would he do this? How can he do this? That doesn't make any sense. Fast forward now to 2021. 
How could this be? How can that? Why would he do that? Because all things are possible to God. Jesus came down as man out of love for us, for redemption. Jesus is now in the Eucharist as he promised, I will be with you for all time. He does so out of love and out of redemption. Let us not make the mistakes they made in those days. How can this be? It's impossible to believe. Why would God do such a thing? You see, I'm trying to present it to you in ways that you can grab, grasp at it. My friends, the Mass, the Mass. Our first reading, the people were on Mount Sinai, and they, God made a covenant. You don't need to go to Mount Sinai. Mount Sinai is here. The Mass is the covenant. Jesus said, I have a new covenant, an everlasting one for you. There is power in the Mass because of the power of sacrifice, His sacrifice. And there's a difference. At the Mass, you're able to unite your prayer to our High Priest, Jesus Christ. There is power in that. So the Mass has power. The Mass has presence. Just as they walked with the tabernacle through the desert, in ancient time, so the tabernacle is here. His presence is here, as he said. I will be with you always. doesn't matter how holy I am or you are. doesn't matter what our fine sensibilities are. It is about his faithfulness, his fidelity. He says, I will be there. So when you come, you don't have to wonder. I wonder if Jesus will be there. <laughs> he is. If anything, he wonders, will you be there? <laughs> Power, presence, promise. Promises made on Mount Sinai. Promises made by Jesus. The promise is here. I promise. My sacrifice will give you redemption and I will share eternal glory with you. And just as they did on Mount Sinai, we promise to love and to honor and to obey that we may have eternal life. We must come to the Mass with due reverence and due respect. It is written, Jesus said, it is written, my house shall be a house of prayer. Let us make this a house of prayer always, not divided. We can have our difference of opinions, but we must come together in union with each other and keep this place sacred. My friends, regarding the Eucharist, many people have been quarantined and they've been gone and uh, some have been returning, praise God. Uh, they've forgotten some things. <laughs> What you believe is how you act. So I ask you, what do you believe? When you come and you approach the Eucharist, 
I beg you, show reverence. Do respect. When you come forward, for those receiving the hand, put your hands together. Let it become that tabernacle. Allow me to place it in your hand. We receive the Eucharist. We do not take it. It is improper to snatch it from my fingers. Let me, you receive, let me put this great gift into your hand. It is customary to show a sign of reverence by a bow. You are not bowing to me. You are bowing to the presence of Christ in the Eucharist. The priest or the minister says, the body of Christ the only response is amen. Amen means I believe. So be it. Please do not say good morning, Father Mark. Or thank you. Thank you is what you do after you receive the Eucharist and you go back on your knees and thank him. The body of Christ, your response, amen. I believe. So be it. If today was Jesus' the second coming and he was here, what would you say? What would you do? I beg to even go further. How would you dress? Well, he is present. What is it that you believe? We believe that Christ is holy and substantially in the Eucharist. Body, blood, soul, and divinity. He does this for our redemption, for our love, and to fulfill his promise. I will be with you always until the end of the ages, until I people act the way they believe. So what is it that you believe let your actions and your words testify for God. What is it that you believe? And let that belief direct your life. But I'm pleading with you as your pastor, as, we, as people begin to return, let us recall and remember, let us recommit to reverence and of you see me failing, point it out. Just point it out. If you see me being disrespectful, or just but be charitable <laughs> to, to Father Mark and to each other, that this house may always be what he said it would be, house of prayer to the glory of God. Can we commit to this, to have reverence and to have love, to have joy when we enter this house? Is It is the greatest gift of God to you, the greatest treasure that he has. Let us act that way. My friends, um, let us work together in love and faith, always uh, keeping this a house of prayer.